Hello, people, and welcome. Welcome once again to Moral High Ground, where I talk about what's morally right. If not, something's got to be right. But anyway, <laughs> um, I want to thank all of you that follow me or likes my stuff. Just try to spread the word if there's something good I say that you like, as well as, you know, just get into it, man. Spread the word of mouth, you know, through grapevine or whatnot. Anyway, today's episode, I'm going to be rehatching the interview I had with a, a Cold War soldier. Now, this ain't the same one. This is another video or another audio clip. I've done multiples because after the first time, first time you interview someone, they'll, they'll have something to say. Sometimes they'll, they'll want to have another interview because they'll feel like they haven't said enough and in this case he wanted to address how he felt about the military in many different cases so what I have here is multiple clips within a, a two-day period uh, I'm not going to try to play them all tonight I'm going to try to make it a, a thing until uh, I'm until I've really said enough and we don't have enough to cover what is about to be said is a little alarming when it comes to the government military and us people, some of the stuff he says in this clip. So without no other ado, I'm just gonna get with it. Uh, I'm using my phone here to, cause that's where I recorded it. <laughs> so you can hear exactly what it is he said and how none of us is safe. No one is safe. And this is truth. So, <clears throat> we will make this happen. There we go. I'm here with Bo, the Cold War soldier. Let him know what's going on. I was trying well, to be funny. <laughs> anyway, my f you want me to tell you about the general again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, Major General Harris, I met him at a... Uh, the General's Lake in Augusta, Georgia. And at the time, he was training to shoot into outer space and kill cosmonauts in their spy capsule. Cosmonauts being Russian, right? Being Russians. Because... So, I gotta pause it here because what he's about to talk about is actually some Cold War shit that... <laughs> the Cold War shit that anybody grew up in the 80s knows all the crazy shit they talked about with the Cold War when it came to Russia and American spies. And so, what he's about to say is something a general did that was, I guess, against the rules or something. I think, I don't know how that works, but this is what he's talking about. So, anyway, I'm just gonna play. They're, they were less advanced than us, technologically, so they still had to have people in their spy capsules to take the photos. So he was going up into outer space to kill them. And while they knew he was coming, so they put a cannon on their spy satellite. Yeah, I said, that's about as James Bondy as you could get. And when the Cold War ended, they fired the cannon to celebrate, but also to see if it would work. And they said it worked, according to Major General Harris. Because I wouldn't have known it, because he didn't tell me that when I met him, it was all classified. He told me that about like when there were Gulf oil spill was happening. He told the whole country because I seen him on TV on, on the public broadcasting channel when I was up in, in Seattle. He didn't tell me personally. He said that on TV to everyone. Or I wouldn't have believed it, you know. I had 
Danny. Tanner moves slow in space. Uh, I don't know how that would have worked. And then how this explosion they said they space. fired it and it worked, though. That's according to Major General Harris himself. Yeah, you. So I had that positive once again because I, once he said cannon in space, I start thinking of all this weird science when it comes to outer space. There's so many different theories, and that's why some people think the moon landing is fake. But there's this whole thing what people always say there's no sound in space, which makes no sense because how do you get that tight ass song by David Bowie? And on top of that, how the hell does uh, NASA always communicate with people in space? So if there's no sound completely at all in space, then you shouldn't be able to communicate at all. It's just really weird. Um, but anyway. I think you fired that and boom, maybe it was a rocket cannon. Though. Who knows what, what they mean by cannon? It could be an ion cannon, electronically fired. You know where you got a negatively charged particle inside of a shell? Yeah. And then you got an electromagnetic conductor around it, yeah. and then you hit that with the negative, and the negative and the negative, and it shoots out like a, out of the cannon. Like it could be like that, huh. you know. But those things go fast. I mean, they would go like nineteen thousand miles, and, and then the repulsion it would still throw it. Like because I think that's weird physics. I wonder how they pulled that off. That's what I'm saying. Maybe they had their thrusters going at the same time. You know, like. <laughs> like an equal amount of thrust compared to the fire so that they didn't go backwards or whatever or maybe so this part was pretty much just him explaining this I thought this was important because it's Cold War stuff as well as to understand the uh, uh, nature of how America attacks not so much in a way where we attack face to face but the secret attacks that we don't see the stuff where people are um, forced to go do things that are odd and in some cases against the American citizens. But in this case right here, it's against the Russians uh, with a cannon they didn't, wasn't aware about that later on they became aware about, uh, aware of, <laughs> trying to speak proper grammar, but was aware of when uh, the Cold War ended. So this, this is like, this little clip is nothing because it was just like a little four-minute conversation here. But the next part is, is more severe. figured their trajectory where it wouldn't matter because you got to go 18,000 miles an hour to keep rotating around the Earth, you know, to stay in orbit. I just know that because uh, I watch a lot of Learning Channel. I didn't learn that in the military. I was pretty ground-based. That's all I did was like just simple stuff, solid state. But electric. you didn't do something that was beneficial for the military to I used to repair thermal infrared night vision and light amplification devices. Uh, you were telling me about that before. You said it upgraded somehow. Huh? You said it upgraded somehow the last time you told me about that. Well, yeah, because when I was doing it, it was all leftover stuff from Vietnam and, and, and stuff like that, Air Force stuff. It was, it was non-classified. Like, everybody knows how it works and that it exists, and it's not secret everybody can know how it works it's just expensive like if you buy it they're gonna want to know why do you want this you know i mean they'll sell it to you though <laughs> you know what i mean you can still buy it but it's super expensive like back in the day it would have been like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to buy that thermal infrared device no fuck that <laughs> that's enough to buy two houses yeah 
Yeah, back then it was. And it was modern white airplanes. Well, maybe 80,000 actually now. They're probably way less. <laughs> like a quarter million dollars to buy it. Enough to buy a house is the way it was put. Yeah. Oh, I got to go in here. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that part of, of what I was trying to say. So, you know, he got into how much military equipment cost uh, from previous wars to upgrade it. And, he, and back then it was stuff from Vietnam to the Cold War. Uh, even though the Cold War started in the 60s, he was able to take something from a war that happened in between the 60s and 70s and was able to upgrade it for 80s uh, military purposes. So, after that one was this big one. I'm here with the freaking Cold War soldier, Bo. He's going to tell his story. Go ahead, Bo, bring it down. And just so you guys know, Bo is his code name. Uh, if you want, you can call him Bo Duke or, you know, Bo from Smokey and the Bandit. Either way, it doesn't matter. That's his code name. Uh, you know, his military name. So they probably would know him by that. So anyway. Your story of your enlisting in the military. And do it here, Tom. So I just realized. So when I interviewed him here, because he saw me earlier in the night and he was like, he wants to do an interview. He wants to talk to some stuff. He has to get off his chest type of thing. And I was more occupied with something else. But by the time I got to him, he was really inebriated and stuff. Like I said, it's sad when it comes to these military soldiers and then they become vets because they either have some kind of vice that they can't shake. Some of them are very stern and straight and can stay straight and narrow without a problem. But the ones that did more stuff for the military always seem to come back with a drug addiction or alcoholism or something of that nature. And this is something I want to help uh, put it into, put it into military soldiers having these substance abuses just from working for the military in the United States government has to be a way to eliminate this uh, toxic behavior that happens after uh, war. But I guess if you see some shit, you need something to take your mind off that shit. And that's the honest to God truth. And what I'm saying, the reason why I'm explaining it right now is because in this interview, he talks very quiet. Now, I'm right face-to-face -face with him, so I can hear everything he's saying. So if there's anything you guys don't hear, I'm going to try to tell you what he said. Speak up, man. I can hear you. Like, if you join the military, you're a human slave. Except you're not a slave. You're a slave. But it's worse. So what he says here is, he says, if you join the military, you're a slave. And it's worse than that because you're a servant. And he's going to explain a little bit more. It has a lot to do with the question I asked him earlier in the night, which was, uh, how did you, how do you feel about the military as a whole? And here we go again. <laughs> so do you feel like a servant or? 
Power Slam. You pick every show. That's what it is. I took an oath to the government, to the nation, to people that were here for better or worse. However, they're in my nation. You think most vets feel that way? Yeah. Absolutely. So I asked him because I said, you know, he's saying this, that he took an oath. And, you know, he felt like a slave or a servant. And I asked him, does most vets feel that way? And he says, yes. So it's just, this is a question. This is the stuff I had in the conversation with this guy is pretty more deep than I usually have with a uh, vet. So anyway. But then, So he's talking about some of the stuff he did and how messed up it was even if he had the urge to kill and stuff. And, you know, he starts to explain uh, yes. more. If you're dying, saying he's American. I was saying like a mercenary. Uh, he's probably thinking missionary or something like, you know, go Christian thing, but cause he was drunk. But I'm talking like, you know, Metal Gear, Splinter Cell type mission, you know, type of stuff. And, uh, you know, this is the thing where when I was interviewing him before the past couple times, he was sober. This time he was drunk. And so all the negative stuff comes out. I had that with a couple of relatives that was in the military. One that was in Vietnam would talk about uh, his first time falling from the chopper and going into infantry and all the negative stuff that happens. And he would do the same thing when he was drunk, explain it all. And so this is what's going down. And it's like the hidden truth that they do holding this stuff in. And alcohol always makes you tell the truth. So what he's saying here, he was talking about how he had to protect drug dealers and criminals and he didn't like doing that, but he had to do that as a United States soldier. He said, they have to be protected or else how can they operate? They have to be able to, to they're selling drugs, they're doing their things because they're being protected by the government. And this is what he's saying, and, it, and it's uh, pretty alarming in a way because 
what, what has a, the war on drugs been about in the past and what do we got out here right now and how is fentanyl spreading so fast because they're being protected and it makes more sense especially with what's going on south of the border and you know Biden letting everyone over the border to come and the fentanyl crisis just keeps growing as I mean obviously they're letting the ones in with fentanyl they're not letting the, the sweet nice Mexican ladies or Christian uh, Catholic believing uh, Latina people or they're letting the drug addicted ones and the, the drug dealings, the ones that work through cartels into the country. And so this is part of what he's saying that the military does. Huh. Yeah, and, and now you said that there was that movie and the drug dealers were part of the, the military. I mean, there's are bad people. You can become that person when they become strong. So they were that's, just that's, that's how bad 
I mean, well, they, they are not, but the criminality gets involved. Well, whether whether it's good or bad, shit like this. This is fucked up. You know, so, you know, that's when I realized that he's not misunderstanding me. He's actually telling from his own eyewitness uh, account of something that the military does that none of us are aware of. And yet, you know, our loved ones come back dead. And it's not just that they come back dead. From what he's saying, they come back dishonorably. Well, not even dishonorably, they're just disgraced. Their bodies can't just come back in peace. They have to be disturbed and they have to be uh, violated in a way so they can bring these drugs into the country. And so it's not an honorable uh, way they're bringing the bodies back. They're not honoring the dead. Oh, yeah. So they laugh to the slaughter for pawns for the military to use if they will. That's fucking shit. You seen a lot of that? But those people haven't been right to just, you know what I mean? Those generals and shit? No, let them live right. Like, once they're finally brought to charges, why haven't they been brought to charges? Like, people that made movies. Oh, yeah. Because they will simply kill you next if you look at it. Because it hasn't. So he started whispering there, and but he was saying that when he was whispering, he was trying to explain that these people haven't been brought to justice, even the ones that you know about that they made, made movies of with, they haven't been brought to justice because that person would be next to die. And he was trying to whisper about um, how, you know, pretty much you're a target if you know all this stuff and things like that. And whatnot. But anyway. It's real. If you look at them, that's fucked up. I don't want that Whatever is going on, that's The best form of protest is not in Oh, you mean silent protest? Like you just don't even get involved, you don't acknowledge it. It's not even unless they come after you. You know, the question I'm asking is this would you recommend anybody go to the military right now? With our current situation with kids. Kids are something fucked up. But now they kids you mean? And then probably can some of them are gonna get abused. It's like, I got abused personally. Like, if I wasn't such a psychotic killer, it would have went further. So you mean they got to be tough without the survive and torture? Yeah, you wouldn't think people should. Like, yeah. And so he's whispering again. He said, you think people wouldn't show up to the military? Uh, a certain way he was trying to explain. I can't remember exactly the words. I can't really hear it right here. And But uh, it was just something to the nature that, you know, he doesn't understand how some people come with a certain personality and think they're not going to be broken. 
saying it's act of shame to kill and in all reality it is morally wrong to kill and we all know this but he's saying it's act of shame to kill but you're in the military so that's what they're training you to do they're training you to kill and win at all costs and he's saying that um, some people it's a hair trigger uh, you know a flight or flight type of reaction where you got to kill them to stay alive or you'll be killed yourself so I mean, they're so good at it. I mean, no, let's just say so. Hopefully, there's a good thing. Oh, I'm a father. And I'm just electronics. <laughs> but realistically, like, how good would you want your military training? Thinking that there's other people that are going to kill your children unless they're trained. I mean, this is your own child. And the other people are thinking about killing them. face when he says and if you were there and you see the look on this guy's face when he says uh, you become sick and he says it with such um, I don't know how to explain it like very direct about how he's explaining that if a person kills too much they become sick it's almost as if when he says it and this is if you're in person with this guy 
it's almost like as if he's reliving something. And he says, like, the rest of the tribe will see that you became sick if you're killing too much. And they'll have to take action. And so there's something in there, a memory, that only he knows. Because no one can read it in someone else's mind. I know they got AI that does it now. But it's almost as if he's reliving something where they had to go against someone they had to kill. And that killed somebody or killed way too many people and just became sick, as he says. You know? Taking action is what? Killing them or, or, or dishonorably discharging them? What if it's just putting a ring in their head? Like, you're saying? like I wasn't dishonorably discharged. They begged me to stay back in their midlife. They didn't want me to leave. They knew there was work and they begged me to stay. And I wanted that anyway. Before the war was I wanted out of the military so bad before there was a war because the bureaucracy. Wait a minute, you mean, you mean, what war was that? You talking about the Cold No, no, but after the Cold War was fucking uh, Iraq. No, and I was only in the Cold War. I was in after Panama, and then you say, and, you and I got out before the first Gulf War. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, the desert storm. But then when I wanted out of the military. They wanted me in the military so bad. My first sergeant himself begged me to stay in the military. He's like, no, Lucky, there's a war coming. Stay here, I'm proud. But I was so upset with all the bullshit that happened there in the meantime. I wanted out of the military so bad. And now that I can get in the honorable discharge, I'm out of it. So I'm going to leave it here for now. And come back later. So peace be with you guys. Blessings upon you always.